Hello there. No doubt you were expecting some cheesy music and our usual grand introduction, but this month we have decided to give you some important news, first of all, before we get into the podcast. Is that right, John? That's right. As you may be aware, the Glasgow Motorway Archive is taking part in Glasgow's Doors Open Days 2019. We'll be having two talks. Uh, Talk one will be at 6.30pm on Thursday the 19th of September. The second talk will be at 3pm on Saturday the 21st of September and these will take place at the Mitchell Library. That's right and in addition to the talks we're also going to be running a month-long exhibition. It starts at the Mitchell Library in the main foyer from Monday the 9th of September so please go along and check it out. Tickets for the talks will be available from 10am on the 1st of September. They will be available through Eventbrite and also via the Doors Open Days website, so please feel free to check that out. We are also intending to run some information about these on social media, so please keep an eye open for that. We would love to see you there. We will be telling you all about the history of the Glasgow motorway system and we will be sharing lots of new photos and plans and other facts and figures about the motorway system that you have never heard before. So we look forward to seeing you there. Yep, see you there. Hello, welcome to the latest Glasgow Motorway Archive podcast, a podcast about the history and construction of the city's motorways and expressways. It's August 2019 and this is episode 14. I'm John Hassel. And I'm Stuart Baird. This month we have the second instalment of our new series about the many unbuilt roads and motorways in Glasgow. This month we will be discussing the south and east flanks of the Inner Ring Road. Our From the Archive feature continues the subject with a look at the justification report about the scheme from 1975. And after that we'll be answering your questions and talking about some upcoming Glasgow Motorway Archive activities. Sounds good to me, John. Have you been having a good month so far? I've been having a great month. I've got a full belly of food and I'm feeling great. Good stuff. The July <laughs> podcast seems to go down very well. Hopefully this one will keep people as intrigued and as interested as always. The listener figures continue to rise. Remember, you can get us on Apple Podcasts. That's where all the main interest in business is coming from. So please check it out on there and leave a review for us. Mm -hmm. Shall we get into it again? Yeah, let's go for it. So this month, we're talking about more unbuilt stuff. We are. We're going to keep that going between now and the end of the year. Last month, we spoke Mm -hmm. about the Maryhill and Lomond motorways. Mm -hmm. This month, we're going to talk about a scheme that was perhaps more important than the Maryhill motorway, would you think? I'd think so. I think when we're talking about unbuilt roads in Glasgow, these roads, or this road or this scheme, was probably the most important. Now, we have kind of covered this almost every single week in some ways but we've never gone into this amount of detail about it no no you're right we haven't and it's one of these things that people ask us a lot about and i think people have more awareness of the fact that there should have been an other half to the ring road because of things like the ski jump ramps at the end of Kingston yeah. bridge and the, the stubs of unbuilt um road at town head and you know mm-hmm. it's, people pass it people see it and they think Okay, what was that supposed to be? Exactly. We always get asked that question is, why is it only two lanes at Charing Cross? That's right. And all this ties into that. So really, the the inner ring road east and south flanks really are something worth talking about, I think. And Mm -hmm. and are probably part of the ring road, um, or part of the the overall plan that is really missed. 
mm-hmm. from the whole thing and it had a, a, a negative knock-on or the fact that it wasn't built had a negative knock-on effect on the rest of the system absolutely you know so like we did last month then with the Maryhill motorway why don't we we recap what the scheme was really going to be mm-hmm. um talk a wee bit about what the project was going to be itself and, and as we did last month with the Maryhill motorway we focused on the 1975 variation of it i think we'll do the same with the east flank and the south flank because 1975 was really the last time that it was proposed as a full proper urban motorway with free flow links throughout yeah. and that's really where our interest kind of lies yeah after that it was kind of watered down but we'll that's cover exactly. that as we go through so let's talk about the route itself and let's work from townhead all the way around to tradeston kingston yeah, just south of where the Kingston yes. Bridge is. So that's where the ski ramps are at the moment. Right. So you're yeah. right. I think Townhead's probably a good place to start down there. So it is quite obvious when you're coming off uh, the motorway, the M8 here, and you're heading westbound and you go down here, there is this stub that you see at yeah. the bottom before you get dumped at a maze of traffic lights at Cathedral Street and Castle Street uh, and all the other kind of roads that go around that area. Um, pretty much, I mean, one thing we do describe it is the motorway was following more or less your line of, of High Street. That's right. So the motorway would have headed south from there yeah. and just go going past Glasgow. Well, it's actually going over the top of Glasgow Green eventually. Eventually. Eventually before yeah. before crossing the Clyde. Yeah. So, before I get too far, yeah. we'll, we'll stick to talking about this section here. Yeah. So big thing here, it's going along High Street. Yeah. So the initial... The initial 1962 version of the Inner Ring Road, mm-hmm. um, which was the version that was then almost incorporated within the highway plan, it more or less stuck to the the line of the route that was detailed by Robert Bruce in the first planning report of 1945. It was more or less an upgrade of High Street mm-hmm. to motorway. Yeah. There's, there's no denying that. Um, Elevated or depressed or otherwise, depending on the report you're looking at. Yeah, yeah. So there were some concerns, obviously, about mm-hmm. the impact that would have, not just on Glasgow Green, but also on the cathedral, the Royal Infirmary, and other historic buildings in the town head mm-hmm. and high street area. Even in the original um, in interim report of the Ring Road and in the highway plan, even though it was a straight upgrade of high street, high street as a route would have remained as a distributor road, and the motorway would have been elevated. It would have been depressed in front of the cathedral and in front of the Royal Infirmary before climbing Okay, so we would have proceeded on an elevated viaduct across the uh, High Street goods yard, which was uh, a station um, behind High Street train station. Mm-hmm. Um, that was still in use at that point. So they, they, they had to clear that, so they were going to do that by viaduct. From there, it basically proceeded parallel to High Street, crossing Glasgow Cross, and it probably came within something like 50 metres mm-hmm. of uh, Glasgow Cross itself. Buildings like the Merkit building would have been demolished, yeah. It would have gone. I mean, the clock tower would still stay there. Yeah, yeah, the clock tower would still just. be there. Yep, just. Um, it would then have continued down past the court, down basically right above uh, the salt market. Yeah. Down through salt market. And then it would have skirted the edge of Glasgow Green, uh, passing the high court, mm-hmm. and then would have crossed the river on another bridge. Now, this bridge wouldn't have been as grand as Kingston Bridge because... Well, it's further down the Clyde, isn't it? Right. So the yeah. shipping aspect of it, even back then, they wouldn't have had to consider that. Yeah, you know, so you'd have a lower we would have been upstream of the weir at that That's point. Right. So there would be no need for you know maintaining channel heights or whatever for, for shipping. So, that, so it would have been a much smaller bridge there. And that would have been pretty much the extent of what we're calling the east flank. That's right. Now, there would have been two junctions as well. Well, three junctions, almost. 
So you would have had your town head interchange that would have existed and you would have been able to go from the east flank to the north flank to the Monkland Motorway, um, as you Spring would expect, Road. Springburn Road. Yep. Uh, there was then going to be an intermediate junction with a... I believe it was, uh, was it Duke Street? Duke Street, yeah, yep. that's the one. Duke Street coming in from the East End. And then there would have been another major interchange with the Hamilton Motorway. Yes. Which was their version of the M74. Now, we're not going to talk about the Hamilton Motorway today because that's for another We need episode. to savour that. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, but there would have been a major interchange with the Hamilton Motorway in a similar way to the, the, the Mary Hill Motorway meeting. That's right. And I actually spoke about this last week. This was one of these directional interchanges that I spoke about, this this full directional interchange. Yes. You know, with traffic being equally divided. So you have these immediate divergers on the right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So th- th- this was really the, the original plan for the East Flank. Mm-hmm. Now, we'll cover the south flank separately, because they are basically two separate roads. Yes. They are. I mean, they are. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the original plan for the east flank. Okay, so there was almost immediate outcry. Putting yourself in the shoes of somebody who would be there at the time and looking at that, can you see why this would have been something that was controversial? You know, I mean, we're yes. t- we've said a few things. We've said High Street. Yeah. We've talked about Glasgow Green. Yeah. We've also said about, you know, the clock tower at Glasgow Cross and these kind of things. Yes, exactly. So... I mean, anyone could look at this and think, well, hold on a minute. Is that what really went wrong with this? Is that why we don't have this? Possibly, yes. And I suppose all these things that you've listed are are reason enough to concern people in Glasgow. (laughs) You know, you've got the province lordship, you've got the cathedral, you've got the the Royal Infirmary, um, you had the Barony Church, Mm -hmm. you had a number of historic buildings at the south, you've got the green, you've got the courts, you've got all these things, and a a number of people immediately were like, well, hang on a minute. What kind of effect is this? four-lane urban motorway because it was a four-lane in each yep. direction motorway. it was wider than what, what yeah. we got on the other side that's right um you know so it was going to be really quite extensive some yeah. of it was going to be elevated as well some of it would have been depressed so immediately people were like well hang on a minute now this opposition continued to become more and more vocal and by the time that the demolition had taken place for charing cross people had had like a sample of what yes. was to come yeah. And that, I think, was when the alarm bells started to ring and people began to organise a bit more in their opposition against the east flank. Yeah. I don't think anybody really opposed the south flank. No, considering fairly, what was there. I mean, you yeah. can actually, I mean, we'll get onto this, but you can you can actually see where lots of land was cleared for this yeah. already. And so and there's a particular kind of bend on a dual carriageway at Lauriston, yeah. which, yeah. which yeah. Yeah. is the alignment of where the, the east flank and the south flank would have tied in. That's right. So coming back to the east flank then, so, so that mm-hmm. meant that Glasgow Corporation really had to sit up and say, right, okay, there's, there's clear public opposition here. What are yeah. we going to do to try and mitigate this? So they brought Scott Wilson Kirkpatrick back, who were responsible for the original uh, alignment and layout of the ring road, uh, and said to them, okay, there's environmental concerns here. We need to try and mitigate these. And that led to two reports um, being produced, justification reports and alterations um, to the actual design of the route. One in 1973, uh, which settled on a corridor for the route, and I believe that was Corridor U, was mm-hmm. the one they called it in the report. That was developed following extensive public consultation exercises. I mean, literally thousands of people took part in these exercises. They held them in the barras, they held them in other locations around about the east side of the city centre. People came, they gave their, their views and opinions, and this route corridor was developed. And I believe that the corridor ultimately selected had broad support. It was assisted in a way by the closure of the High Street Goodyard, because yeah. that then allowed them to move one of the major interchanges or junctions with uh, Duke Street onto there. They could move the road back a bit. Yeah. It no longer had to be elevated. It could be at ground level until it reached the railway line behind Glasgow yeah. Cross. And what they did was they actually pulled it away from Glasgow Cross, maybe a good 100, 200 metres back. 
Now that saved buildings like the Merkit building, but it meant there was additional demolition required in the Barras area. Now the buildings that were then ultimately selected perhaps weren't as important or as grand as those around about Glasgow Cross. Yeah. At this stage it was always also decided that they would put a section of the route in front of the Cathedral Plaza in tunnel. In a cut, in a, and, in a cut and cover, yeah. yeah. So a bit like what they've done at a small section of Charing Cross. Exactly. They, so yeah. they, they build it in this channel and put a put a roof over it. That's right. And they were going yeah. to put they were going to um, in, increase uh, the amount of plaza in front of the the cathedral. They were going to make a feature of the province lordship and all these other buildings in that area. Yeah. This would have become a, a square almost. Yeah. With the motorway beneath. Um, sounds it sounds lovely. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't it however there yeah. was still the effect in glasgow green yes. and by pulling the route slightly east of glasgow cross it actually meant that the the ring road as then proposed was coming into glasgow green at a slightly more um awkward angle it was it was a bit more obtuse i mean you, you think thinking of that that interchange that they have there would have had a much larger footprint there yes there near the people's palace and exactly like and it would have been coming in in front of the people's palace mm-hmm. uh, so that had issues as well there were still concerns about the effect that it was going to have yeah now the junction layouts and things were altered as well in this 1975 scheme and i am literally just bringing that up in front of john and i now so that we can mm-hmm. actually look at it i mean we'll get really it. into the meat of this when we look into the the report on our next section of our podcast yeah you know? so what we're looking at now um, is the 1975 version of the East Flank. And you can find it by going to glasgows-motorways.org.uk forward slash south-east-flanks. Um, and you'll find our page in the south and east flanks of the website on there. And these diagrams that show the changes are there. You can see the buried section in front of mm-hmm. the cathedral. You can see where the road then basically curves out to avoid Glasgow Cross and then comes back for the south flank. Yeah. Um, the, they were going to also adjust roads like Gallagate, um, and, and the connections with Salt Market to provide distributors coming in from the East End. By the time that these proposals have come along, the focus had switched from uh, Duke Street as being the main distributor or main route out to the East to Gallagate and to London Road. Um, so they felt that the interchange actually could be pushed south. So they, they did away with the junction um, immediately north that they proposed direct to Duke Street and yeah. provided some distributor roads instead so they could actually move the location of the junction further down. <laughs> it's quite funny but looking at that, it would have been one of the sections of the ring road with without any junctions on it for a considerable distance. That's right, yeah, absolutely. And and again, that, that kind of contributes to the fact that this was always intended to be the busiest side yeah. of the ring road. Not the Charing Cross section where it's two lanes. Mm-hmm. They always intended that all the traffic was going was gonna to be proceeding down you know, down the east flank, around the south flank, and then onto the M8 westbound from there. And similarly, for traffic coming from the south on the Hamilton Motorway M74, the intention was that they would obviously do the same. They would go north of then for the Monkland or south of the heading exactly. west. You know, it kind of spreads was, it all, all about. You know, that's right. There was never going to be, you know, the, the sort of a, uh, traffic flows um, through Charing Cross that, right. that we see today because they would have been able to use this as the alternative. So can I pose the million dollar question that always gets asked and you I mean Stuart, you're saying this was the busier and more important side of the ring road why the heck didn't they just build that first yeah you know why i mean you got to think about it. it would have been better now to have that first and then maybe not have the side with the kingston bridge on it that's right yeah you're you know? absolutely right. So, uh, you know, but there is a reason for that, and we have covered this. I mean, we, we, t- we talk about how the highways department and the planning department work together with the comprehensive redevelopment areas. Yep. And the areas where the M8 currently occupies at Charing Cross and the North Flanks and George's Cross, those areas were 
ready for demolition first you know there was there was it was a kind of a a state of enabling that was was available that's why they went ahead of it whereas the route that's actually on the east flank and the south flank was not so that's why we find ourselves in that situation the next thing i mean we we, were talking about this section at glasgow green but immediately south there would have been this other bridge over the clyde that's right uh, taking the motorway you mentioned kingston bridge it's not going to be as as high as that now we have seen only quite recently we first got kind of a glimpse of what this kind of structure could have been yeah going over there it was it was kind of a some of them were kind of cable stayed designs mm-hmm. uh, some of them were, were much flatter kind of more standard kind of things but one of them was that they actually had a viewing tower at the top of it that's right yeah with these things and it was it was really quite impressive mm-hmm. um with that but much lower down than what kingston would have been and that would have been dual four at that section there, I would have believed. Yeah, it would, all, it would all have been dual four. Consistently, you wouldn't have had lane drops or anything like no. that, you know? You would have all the, you would have had, like, four lanes coming up on the M74, two of those would have spot off and gone north on the east flank, two going south, you would have had two continuing through that junction, two going off, two going on, so yeah, it would have been four lanes, basically four lanes throughout. That's um, right. You know, so, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's, 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 quite, it's an interesting way to think of it because we, we just know what's there at Charing Cross and around the north flank. Mm-hmm. You know, and to think that you would have had an alternative. And not only that, for if you're in the city centre and you want to get out quickly and you're in the east of the city centre, mm-hmm. it, it can be difficult at times. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Um, it, it would have provided this, this wonderful gateway to the east of the, the city centre. Yeah. And also to the, the kind of. I wonder, uh, you know, moving on to this the southern flank, what kind of impact that would have had on the on the Tradeston area of the town, which at the moment has got a kind of grid system, but it's all a bit, um, well, it could it could be up and coming. I know that Barclays are currently building a, a big kind of plaza and development in there at the moment. So what we'll do is we'll talk about the the south flank now. If you're happy to do that, Stuart. Yeah, thanks. So. Anyone with Google Maps can go and have a look at this. It's great fun. Um, go and look at the kind of Gorbals and uh, Lauriston area, and you will see a curved road that goes round. And if you look at our map at the same time, you can see where this was the alignment of where it was meant to go. That's right, John. Yeah, and it would have been mostly elevated on the south flank. Um, all the way along to Kingston, mm-hmm. um, and it's one of these corridors that's actually, it's actually kind of visible still on the ground now. If you look at some of the streets, uh, the grid system in the south, just south of the Clyde, you can see a lot of open space. Yeah. And even for years, there was a big gap between where the O2 Academy is and the old Bingo Hall Cinema that was there. There was a gap in there, and the road was going to go right through the middle of them. Yeah. Um, you know that that existed for many years, and around those tower blocks that are now long gone, around about West Street. Um, yeah, not sorry, not West Street. The other one along. What's the, the other underground station a bit further along? West so, Bridge Street. Bridge Street. Yeah, Bridge Street, right there. One, yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, it was always pretty obvious there as well that it was going to go. go. There's some great artist impressions on this. There isn't are. There? And the highway <laughs> and plan, it shows yeah. you where you know what it would have looked like with those tower blocks and everything. Going yeah. The sort of elevated motorway. Was there, there was a junction in there, wasn't there? In the in the highway plan version and in the interim ring road report, there was yes, yes. and it was uh, with the E77. Yeah. Um, you know, coming up from Pollock Shaw's in the south. But by the 1973 and 75 reports, that had been scrapped. Yeah. They had taken that away. Uh, it just goes to show it probably would have worked so well because you wouldn't have had so many this, junctions. I mean, yeah. So many junctions, which is always a failing of some of these roads. It's the access that kind of made it appealing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the road's busy because it's doing what it's supposed to do. Yes. You know, we often say that. Uh, and by, by, by turning it into a, a through route, actually might have helped M8 traffic. 
you know, sort of a regional national traffic move better. Absolutely. But it would have reduced, limited the access from the city centre. But then when we think about it, we don't have that access today anyway. No. So <laughs> anything's a net gain. Yeah. You know, you no, know in, that, in that sense. So what would you have done then, Stuart? Hypothetical question. You, you're coming west. You want to get to the airport. The traffic's getting kind of busy and you're travelling along the M8, travelling westbound. You're coming up past Proven. Yeah. Coming up past Junction 14 and you're approaching, you know, town head. What choice do you make? Well, we had this discussion with John Cullen, if you remember. You know, um, and, and I think he said that the intention was that it would have been signed that you would follow the east and south flanks if you were coming from the east and you were heading west. You know, So we've been doing it wrong this whole time. Yeah. But then we, we haven't had the choice. <laughs> yeah, no, we haven't. So I, think, right. I think that was the intention, that the traffic would have been filtered. I mean, you would have had the choice. You could have mm-hmm. done either. Um, it, but the, the widest road would have been the east and south flanks. I wonder what it would have been numbered where the m8 would have gone or would the m8 have carried on through? john cullen always said to me that he felt that the m8 would have kept the route that it's on right yeah but the hamilton motorway m74 may have continued along the south flank and gone all the way up to Kingston, kind of like what it does Kingston. now. Yes, and he felt that the other section of the east flank would have been M803. Like A803? Yes, um, as a continuation of, of And Springburn the A03 Road. is Springburn Expressway, That's isn't it? That's right, yeah. and the Springburn Expressway section between Townhead and its first junction was going to be A803M, as yeah. we've seen on, on drawings of proposal yeah, drawings from the time. Mm-hmm. You know, that the, the proposal was there to do that, so I think that would have made sense. Now, from a... From a through route point of view, actually, that maybe doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It all starts c- kind of contradicting a little bit here, yeah, and especially yeah. when you start looking at that, that movement. It's a, it's what what they call totsos, just turn off to stay on. So might have the M eight might have been rerouted, possibly. Possibly, mm-hmm. you know, it might have been signed. You know, they, in fact, the destination sign is might have been different. It might have been sending you Glasgow Airport down yeah. this way. One so. of the things, actually, that, that was always that John Cullen always made the point that it was important. The names were more important to him than the route numbers. Yeah, he they were he almost an afterthought to him. Yeah. yeah, he always said it was the Scottish office who decided that kind of thing. He was more concerned with, with the names. So to him, it was always the East and the South flanks and the Renfrew Motorway and the Monkland Motorway. Yeah. He didn't care too much about the numbers. And mm. when we did press him a few times on it okay speculated on it but but ultimately i don't think anybody really knows the answer yeah this is the funny thing never really made it far enough along the process that it needed to be given a number yeah you know um the south flank is is a fairly uncontroversial route um yeah i I mean i think it could have been it probably could have been built on its own at any time we sort of got it in the end though didn't we yeah we did with the m74 i mean although it's south and where it is you know but the funny thing is can i just wind the clock back to some of the very early proposals for the inner ring roads yeah um, that were kind of pre-interim report mm-hmm. the m77 was meant to tie well on some of john collins very early sketches he actually had another directional interchange on the south flank of he that's did. where the m77 was going to tie that's in right. the south motorway the south as it was motorway. called yeah you know and they realized very quickly that the property acquisition costs through the south side which was would good quality property very high yeah and it possibly wouldn't have worked yeah so it was a case of well it wouldn't have they moved it west and that's now part of the plantation road yeah. interchange complex yes if we right. want to call it that yeah if so you look you at some of the other um, alternative versions of the ring road considerations on the website you'll see one 
that has that motorway going off to the south as the south motorway as, as John says mm-hmm. it was I think it was discounted fairly early on in the process as John said but it was considered all the same and it would have been it would have been interesting to have yet another radial motorway coming off that in a ring road yeah um you know it's, again it's this American idea isn't it this sort of inner inner part of the wheel and then the spokes, the spokes going coming out, out yeah. of it yeah um, you know and then other rings further out and further out yeah so uh, good way to round this off let's just talk about ski ramps why are they still there yeah, why are they still there? I suppose when the maintenance <laughs> of the Kingston Bridge and things were going on, they actually made for some pretty convenient um, places for storing maintenance. Uh, it's like compounds and, and all yeah, that compounds. Kind of mm-hmm. Now, you also, we also have to remember that the, the ski ramps were intended to be demolished as part of the Strathclyde Regional Council proposal for the M74 completion. Yeah. They were going to demolish the existing ramps and build new ones so that you would have been able to connect from the new M74 to the Kingston Bridge. Uh, yeah. The Scottish Executive in 2001 decided not to take forward that option. Um, but that that was kind of Strathclyde's proposal. So the, really, they were kept probably because the, the intention was they were going to go. As to why they've not been dealt with no, since, no. well, it's probably just about money. It but is. They, but they really <laughs> could be doing the rebuilding the one coming off the Kingston Bridge because it's not it's not adequate. Yeah, I know. I suppose it's one of these things taking the way you're just spending money to get rid of something that isn't really right. doing anything. Yeah, wrong. but there is a permanent reminder of what could have been. I know. You know, and the people living in the flats that should have been demolished across the road are looking probably at probably look at that yeah. and go. Whew, <laughs> yeah, you know, so I yeah, it's, I it's an interesting one. Uh, some thoughts on the south and east flanks. Um, mm. I am going to say that I'm glad it didn't happen. Right. Okay. I, uh, in advance of recording this, I went for a walk in Glasgow Green um, along the Clyde Walkway a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I couldn't believe how peaceful it was in the park. There is basically no traffic noise at all when you get mm-hmm. really deep into Glasgow Green. Yep. And it was actually really nice. You did you would forget that you were only five minutes from a major city centre. Yep. It was very pleasant. Now, no matter what version of the East Flank would have been constructed, there's nothing that would have mitigated against the noise completely unless the yep. whole thing had been buried in tunnel and that was never going to be an option. Yeah. So from that point of view, I'm actually kind of relieved that it didn't happen. I mm. think it would have had an adverse effect on the, on the historic High Street. That's not to say that I don't think other improvements should have been made to High Street to, to enhance traffic flow and, and ease pollution and all that kind of thing because it is bad in that area. But I think that the East Flank as originally proposed was not good. John Cullen actually admitted that he agreed with that at yeah. one point. They felt that the East Link motorway, which is another one we'll talk about later in the series, um, he felt that East Link motorway was the best option with local improvements to High yeah. Street. But it was the corporation who pushed um, for the East South and East flanks because yeah. it was within the planning legislation that had already been passed as part yeah. of comprehensive development. And, get and that, that sort get of the thing. road in there. Yeah, yeah so I'm kind of kind of kind of relieved. I think the way the M74 comes into the city now is far better than the Hamilton yeah. Motorway ever would have been. You have to look at it from that perspective, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's my thoughts on it, John. Do, I mean, do you have any... I mean, again, in the same regard, Charing Cross is overly congested. There needed to be more capacity available for traffic going from west to east in the M8. Mm-hmm. Um, and Strathclyde Region made some improvements to the north flank in the 90s, but they, there's nothing you can do with that west flank. Um, yeah. I, I uh, just, just, just to talk about the east flank um, that, that, that hasn't been built, one of the things I think is there is a, an absolute mess of roads just south of, of Townhead. Oh, Castle Street, Glebe Street, Cathedral Street. Yeah. Yes, and it, and it is poor. It yeah. is confusing and it's awful to walk around on, on foot. Mm-hmm. I actually think the motorway through here, especially with some of these later proposals, I was thinking uh, kind of cut and cover would have been 
<laughs> better environmental improvement. Yeah. You know, there actually would have been less space used up in some, some ways with it, especially where you've got the cut and cover. I find that part of town quite difficult to get to as it well. Is. And I suppose um, very busy. that's maybe a good point to make then, yep. actually, that after the 1975 report, when things mm-hmm. started to get downgraded, when Strathclyde Regional Council came in and the corporation was abolished, there was a slightly different viewpoint on the on the inner ring road in East and South Flax. They, they put it through a few changes, and eventually it was nothing more than really just a dual two-lane urban um, dual carriageway. You're talking about the London Road Link proposal, so, which yeah, was so the final had, hazard, yeah. wasn't the ta- it? Townhead yeah. town, town, town to London Road Link. Yes. Uh, which would have been a dual carriageway road in mostly in cut and cover tunnel yep. in front of the, the, the cathedral. Uh, it would have ended at uh, not Duke Street, the one south Gallagate. Yeah, it would have gone at Gallagate. Do you know what? I think I think that would have been a fantastically adequate proposal. I think so. To be and honest it, with you, yeah. improves and, that. In conjunction with the cross river. Uh, changes and the changes in the south side of the city however I don't there. think we could have built that and then not built the M74 I mean no, I've been no. somebody who's always been advocating for for an eastern link yeah. that links the M8 and the M74 together and you know we will get on to that and talking about that road that was never built mm-hmm. you know yeah. um, no I, I'm I'm quite regretful it was I mind you I wasn't I wasn't in Glasgow Green with you this day so maybe no. my perspective is a little bit different but from a motorist point of view um, no I, I think it would have it would have transformed that part of the town and in a good way yeah okay yeah fair enough so that takes us on to the uh, from the archive part and we're going to mm. actually have a quick flick through the report yeah and and talk about some of the the main facts and figures in there mm. um would would you like to to take us through the introduction yeah let's get let's get it see if i can i can reach it from here it is a big report it is there you go you have it now in your thank hands. you very much what power i have <laughs> so <laughs> just to recap so this is a you know from the archive here we're going to have a little look at this section in here so this was actually the revision that's the revision of what was seen originally in the highway plan that's right let's go and the one you have there in your hands should be the 1975 report 1975 yes so in the highway plan 1965 yeah so it came 10 years after 10, the 10 years plan. after with all the considerations and stuff that have come through and the first thing you see opening this up is this fantastic image of a model that wonderful model and they, they had, did they made yeah. a model of how it was all going to look because yeah. you know in, in fairness to them it does actually look okay it does it looks really really do fine. me a favor tell me the name of that that root number seen that drawing there what, what number does it say it is in the bottom right hand corner of the drawing scheme well, it says recommended scheme 4n 4n okay 4n i think it i said you or something else so it's 4n yeah and that shows actually it, it it's this kind of revised layout down at Glasgow Green. Yeah, which is probably where the main sort of a contention and controversy yeah. and was. And part of that. the Hamilton motorway on this is actually in cut and cover tunnel. Yeah, oh, of course, in front of the the People's Palace. Yes. Oh, shh, don't don't get ahead. That's a future episode. Shh. <laughs> yeah, well, it just means we're going to have to have another report in front of us. So no, that's <laughs> absolutely fine. So again, this is this report is very similar to Mary Hill in some ways. I mean, we've got uh, Scott Wilson, we've also got Halfords. Yes, and uh, John Collins' name to that one as well, which, absolutely. Uh, which is good to see. Yeah. Yep. So going through all very easy to read these things yes. uh, which which makes it very, read, very there's good. a bit about history and introduction that i think is probably worth sharing with people because it gives mm-hmm. a bit of context as to what happened between the highway plan coming out and these changes people see the highway plan online and they see these proposals and then they don't read any further they don't have a think about what changed you know what happened before these things ultimately were cancelled or, or didn't proceed and and sometimes these reports are actually good for filling that sort of gap in the, in the decade in between you know no, absolutely, and you're wanting me to read, uh, you know, a source section of history, an mm-hmm. introduction onto this. So I will. Okay. Um, I've got a thing here with the introduction, so I'll, I'll read out this this paragraph here and see how that goes. Yeah, you go for that. Yep. 
quite it's like holding it's like holding the Scotsman here. It's like a big broadsheet. It's quite difficult to do. It's all full scap size reports. Yeah. Yeah, that's just it. So uh, introduction says here this study is part of the continuing work and the highway planning in Glasgow and has become necessary due to the possibility of changes in the east flank of the inner ring road. These changes were studied as part of the public participation programme following public concern about the environmental effects of the highway plan proposals. Since the adoption of line 2AM for the east flank opens up the possibility of alternative lines for the Hamilton motorway, this study is primarily concerned with these alternative possibilities. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So it, it does go into there. So uh, there is a section here um, on history. Right. So we've had the introduction, so I'll, I'll read this out as yeah, well, if you're okay with that. I think people are interested in this sort of thing. <clears throat> so when the highway plan for Glasgow was published in 1965, it proposed that Duke Street extended to Shettleston Road should be an expressway. That's right. Subsequently, planning studies of the eastern part of the city have brought out certain difficulties associated with this proposal. These are as follows. A. The line passes along Parkhead Forge, which I'm thinking here is it says it's Beardsmore? Beardsmore. Beardsmore. Yeah. As in a beard. Yes. Right, that's it. Which assumed that the factory remains in operation for the foreseeable future presents problems associated with the movement of materials and vehicles unacceptable on a road of expressway standard. Well, it was gone within 10 years, but well. Well, yeah. (laughs) As is the case with many of these things. B. The line presents difficulties with road widening and access in the areas of the Great Eastern Hotel and nearby multi-storey housing development. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Yeah, but although I think that hotel's now gone as well, that was the old homeless hostel or something. It's gone. Yeah, yeah, all gone. So C, the line passes through the existing Duke Street shopping area in Deniston, which is expected to have a long life. Yeah, and no yeah. easy means of bypassing this area has been found. That's that's still the case. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it does actually make some reference here now to the GGTS. Oh. Okay. Which would have been, mm, yeah, well, that's already been out by that, that would have point. would have been about eight years old by that point. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, um, it says here about junctions. Oh, uh, In okay. some areas, it says, um, I think something about the junction emissions, it says, so the effect of ring road design. Due to the upgrading of Gallagate and the downgrading of Duke Street, so mm-hmm. these were these alterations to these roads. Yeah. It is proposed to remove the connections with the inner ring road at Duke Street and develop a high capacity interchange with the inner ring road at Gallagate. Ah, okay, as we kind of alluded to earlier. Yes. So it talks about some of the changes that they see between it this mm-hmm. there. Um and it's you mentioned Stuart earlier about the distributor road, kind yeah, of London yeah. Road. It also mentions that in here as well. All right, I okay. think somebody's done their homework so Maybe. T- <laughs> before they came on. Possibly. So um I mean it says the the line was two what what's uh, what was that reference? Two was it two AM or something or two AN or something? I'm like uh, I'm just gonna check it because it, it's gonna corroborate quite nicely what I'm gonna say. So this well it actually says recommended scheme four N. Or four N, that was that one, yeah. So it talks about another one, line two AM accepted. Right. It has been taken that the only alternative alignment to the original highway plan alignment acceptable to the corporation is scheme two AM. Okay. The main determinants of two AM are a. The avoidance of High Street Goods Station. Oh, okay. B. Avoidance of Glasgow Cross by a reasonable distance. Yes. C. Avoidance of Charlotte Street Electricity Substation. I didn't know about that. Oh, that's a random one, but that okay. was yeah, D, avoid- expensive, yeah. <laughs> avoidance of St Andrew's Parish Church by a reasonable distance and the crossing of the River Clyde west of the Weir. Aha. Uh-huh. So there was all kinds of things. Um, it goes on about, uh, you know, another bit of highway design jargon here called braiding. 
uh-huh. um, which is what we were talking about with um, collector distributor roads. We have these parallel roads running alongside yep. um, with these things. So it does does talk about that. I mean, there is there's so much information in here. Oh yeah, have a little read through this. Yeah. But I'll go on in the report. See what other things I we can find. will bring this report and the others mm-hmm. to our next um, open weekend at the Glasgow Vintage Vehicle Trust in Bridgeton. So come and see us the 12th and 13th of October. We will have copies of this report and others on show. Come and have a look. It would be good to show you so you can actually have a flick through yourselves and see what's spoken yeah, about. Yeah, it, it is really good. Can I read one last bit? Go for it. So I've got a bit here, uh, quite a long paragraph here, just on Glasgow Green, so right. I'll, I'll go yeah, through this it's one. it's important, yeah. Uh, so it says about Glasgow Green, the fixed part of the Hamilton motorway already affects uh, an appreciable length of the green. And the issue of this study is the section of Glasgow Green where an option exists to avoid it, depending on the scheme chosen. Oh. So, there, just to me for cutting in here, there are several options in this report that's considered, and it references it to such. So, back to this, it says, It is to be expected that there will be opposition from many people to the construction of a motorway through the green, and we therefore consider it most important that serious thought be given to means of... There's some archaic word here, Stuart, that I'm not even going to try and pronounce. Uh, ameliorate, is it ameliorating? Yes. <laughs> That's a wonderful word. <laughs> ameliorating the adverse effects of the green in the case of any of those schemes that affect the green. Yeah. <laughs> for this reason, we have allowed for a length of cotton cover tunnel for any schemes passing through the green adjacent to the People's Palace. Ah. So this amounting to 300 metres worth of cotton cover tunnel. Well, that's double the length of Charing Cross Underpass, isn't it? Yeah, we have also made it a condition of our designs that the section of the east flank which crosses Glasgow Green should be such as to make the design environmentally acceptable. So there you go to all the people who think they just <laughs> wanted to, and they use this word, plough the motorway, yeah. as if they cut it. No. No, they didn't. No, they, they didn't. They were trying they to did. mitigate the they, impact. They were, absolutely. But one thing I think can be can be said is a short-term kind of pain with any of these things. It would have been very messy and, and ugly-looking during its construction. Yeah. And I think that spooks most people. Yes, indeed. We, we know, I mean, we work on these things, Stuart. We know what it's like when we're building roads and, and, and building projects. It's the site... It does look like this, but it looks lovely at the end. It does, yeah, absolutely. And you're I right. think that's often tough. You're, you're so. absolutely right. I think as one thing we haven't mentioned, and it is, a, it is illustrated in the report, is the connection between the south flank and the Renfrew motorway and the west flank. Um, the interesting fact is in the highway plan, the inner carriageways were going to proceed as the south flank, but that was then changed by the time the Renfrew motorway came along mm-hmm. to move that to the outer carriageways. You know, to the position we have at the moment where the outside carriageways go the M74. And if you look at the plan from it, you can actually see that the outer carriageways come round, they swing round. That would have led to the demolition of the House of Share building, which oh, there right. at the moment. Okay. Um, but there would also have been this alteration to the off-slip to Paisley Road. You know, so at the moment, you, you go round the, the bend, come off at Paisley Road, right in front of Springfield Quay uh, Leisure Park. Yeah. That would actually have been changed and would have turned right and gone under the Kingston Bridge approaches and would have dumped you on somewhere like Gloucester Street. And yeah. then that then would have been a distributor up through the south side of the, the, the city centre to allow you to get up over the river quickly. Kind of what it does with North Street, doesn't it? Kind so, of, yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. going to be run, yeah. running along that parallel route. Yeah, it's exactly the same. So you would have had a whole network of distributor roads underneath the motorway yeah. all the way around the city. So not just the motorway, you're getting additional roads to get you to it and away from it yeah. quickly as well. And that was kind of the main <laughs> the main pitch, wasn't it? Really? An idea that's abhorrent now. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It is. Uh, or some people say. <laughs> so, anyway. yeah, so the report definitely... It's great. It's oh, yeah. a really, really, really good one, actually. And I'm, I'm hoping we bring some other ones that 
discuss uh, yeah. this, this East well, Flank with us. Yeah, it's well, so well, good. So, well, we'll, we'll bring them to Bridgeton uh, in October. Yeah. I hope to see more of you there. Um, uh, honestly, it's really worthwhile coming down. Coming down to speak to us, see what we have an offer. We will take them along, and it's a good opportunity for you guys to see inside mm-hmm. um, as well. All right, so, John, Is- any last thoughts on, on this? What's the best way to round off talking about these south and east flanks, the things that were never built in some I, ways? As I said, Alan, I'm in two minds about it, and I can you see know, what the benefit of having it would have yeah. been. But at the same time, in hindsight, I think I'm kind of glad that it didn't happen, mm-hmm. which is unusual for me to say. Yeah. You know, it's not, not normally I, what I, I would say. I, I just think only one other piece of the puzzle. There's two pieces of the puzzle here. The south and there's east. South's been sorted. The M74. Mm-hmm. Yeah. East hasn't. East hasn't. And that's... Yeah. A story for another day. Yes. The high street survives. The yes. green survives. It does. You know, so... But it would have been very different had it have been there. And oh. I don't think necessarily all bad. I think it would have opened up that part of the city economically. Mm-hmm. Possibly, yeah. To a lot of things. I- I'm sure you're and so, right. And, you know, the same way that Charing Cross has offered stunning vistas of the city there, I'm sure that should they have built the East Flank, it would have done the done same. The same, especially if they'd gone with the viewing platform option. Oh, at that bridge, that's bridge wonderful. We need, the get that. we need to get that on the website. We'll get that sure. scanned that's, up on the website. That's Definitely. so good. All right. Okay, well, let's move on to the questions. Questions Are you time. ready this week? I'm <laughs> always ready, John. <laughs> okay, so we're going to dim the lights for the first question here, and this is for you, Stuart, motorway okay. expert. Okay. Uh, <laughs> says who? Says this, who? this comes from Calvin Rules on Twitter. Calvin's got a good one. Okay. Calvin asks, be interesting to hear how the demolition of all the housing to make way for the motorway came about. I grew up in Anderston, which was totally changed, and I'm too young to remember the changes. Were they well received at the time, or was there a big fight? And he says great sight, by the way. Oh, Thank okay, you. thanks for that, thanks, Calvin, Calvin. Calvin Rules. Um, okay, first thing we should say is okay. that uh, Anderston was not demolished for the motorway. Mm-hmm. Anderston was demolished for comprehensive development. Uh, the motorway just happened to be a convenient part of what came later. Yeah. It was always intended that the housing at Anderston would be demolished and rebuilt regardless of whether the inner ring road came or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so the housing in that area was considered to be mostly substandard, yeah. um, unacceptable. The corporation wanted nice new modern housing and that is what we ended up with. The Anderston complex, classic yeah. example, whether it's been successful or not, that's not for me to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but that's what came about as a result. The area was vastly changed as a result of comprehensive development. And Anderston was one of these key 29 comprehensive de- development areas that were rolled out across the city. Ultimately, so motorway only, or not, it would have been redeveloped. It was going to happen anyway. It was going to be yeah. redeveloped, yeah. Just, just like in Gorbals, where parts of the south, uh, south flank were going to go through comprehensive development. Okay, the south flank didn't come, but the clearance of the houses and the property, that did happen anyway. Yeah. And they built up other things around about it, you know. Yeah. Um, were they well received? Um, I think on the whole... From, from speaking to people who were there at the time, that on the whole, yes, it was, because people were moved into houses that were in far better condition than what they had before. Yeah. Uh, the, people who didn't previously have indoor bathrooms, they didn't have separate bedrooms and things like that, suddenly had that. Okay, yeah. problems came later because they were moved to remote part, more remote parts of the city, yeah. Castle Milk, Easter House, from Chapel, places like that. But the, I think at the time, initially... And, you know, yeah, I mean, we, have, we do have this video somewhere of the opening of Charing Cross section, yeah. which is a bit further up, and somebody holding a banner saying, no East Flank. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. all we've ever seen in terms, of... in terms of protest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as I say, and, and as John Cullen told us many times, a lot of the private uh, private owners 
of a lot of this property were more than happy to sell up and have them demolished because mm-hmm. rent controls actually no put a cap they... on the value of the property and they couldn't make money from them. So they actually get more from the compulsory purchase than they did from the rent that was coming in. So a lot of the private owners uh, were more than happy to sell up and see the properties demolished. Yeah, you know, that's compulsory true. purchase can be a good thing that way. I'm sure some people were sad at having to move. Um, that's, I think that's be the case. you take away bricks and mortar and indoor toilets and these these were communities. Yeah, you know, but, and there's got to be something of that. Yes, then that that would change people going to different areas. Yeah, at the time it was just seen as progress. Yes, you know, this was. was the post. This, this was, was the, the modern post-war generation. Yeah. You know, people knew what had come before and they wanted better than that. And these oh, no. new houses were seen as part of that. Yeah, you know, yeah. So not right. not really from what we've heard. No that answers that. Mm-hmm. Brings us on to the next question. Um, I'm going to say his name right today. Uh, it's okay. Alistair McKay. Alistair follows us on Twitter. Yeah, works at the University of Glasgow. And he always gives us great questions. He does. You know, so he does uh, thanks, thanks again, Alistair. Alistair yes. Getting in touch. Alistair asks a uh, short one here. Was there consideration uh, of a tunnel instead of the Kingston Bridge? No, never. Um, that simply was never on the cards. A crossing of the Clyde as a bridge had been considered since at least the Bruce report yep. and was taken forward. It was not in the remit of any of the consultants to consider anything other than a bridge. Mm-hmm. The only changes that were made in the design were between low-level and high-level crossings and whether they should incorporate some form of pedestrian crossing or distributor road crossing beneath the main carriageway and things like that. But there was yep. never any consideration to tunnels. Tunnel. Glasgow's uh, sort of soil conditions and things don't really allow Geology, for tunnels yeah. easily to be constructed or cheaply as they mm. found with a Clyde tunnel so no I think the Clyde tunnel was different because of the way it was with the shipping yeah. needed to go through you didn't have so much of that plus you were coming yeah. off the, the high ground to the to the north through Charing Cross and then mm. you were you were kind of hitting low ground south of the river so it wouldn't necessarily have been cheap to do its tunnel no yet. you so would have had quite, a, quite a gradient with that one yes. well short question short answer mm-hmm. to be honest with you okay so the next question here comes from <clears throat> councillor Michael Cullen yep councillor Cullen's a, a regular follower of ours on Twitter um, he's, he's been following us for a, a few a few months now, I think. So, yeah, welcome. Welcome to you, Michael. Um, the question's a good one. Yeah. Uh, some context to the Clydeside Expressway and its original plans with the M8. Okay. John, I'm gonna, I'll come to you on this one in a second. I'll give you what my thoughts on the uh, Clydeside Expressway are first, but you're a Clydeside Expressway expert. So oh, I, am I in the big chair now? Yes. Right, okay. Uh, my view on the Clydeside Expressway, based on discussions with John Cullen, is that it provided the same kind of feature that the Maryhill Motorway, the Hamilton Motorway and roads like that provided. It was to get traffic quickly away from the city centre mm-hmm. via a radial route that wasn't a main surface street. So its primary objective and function was to relieve Dumbarton Road yes, and provide quick access to the Clyde Tunnel mm-hmm. and also to relieve the West End uh, along the Barton Road, which at that time was a particularly congested route. Yeah, and Argyle Street and these kind of things like that for yeah. some of the length, yeah. And it tied in directly with the inner ring road at mm-hmm. Kingston, at Anderson Cross, yeah. and it was provided with slip roads to go south or from the south only because it was intended that traffic, the highest flows of traffic, would proceed via the south flank and the yeah. Kingston Bridge, as we spoke about before, and they wouldn't go north and west through Charing Cross. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of the main point of the Clydeside Expressway. It was initially des- uh, designed as an at-grade route, That's which right, means yeah. that the junctions would have been traffic signal control junctions at Finiston and at Hayburn yeah, Street th- that's at Partick. At Partick as well, yeah. But they later found that the traffic flows were going to be so high that they really wanted a grade separation, which is the flyovers we have today, and they were provided at really kind of a minor additional, minimal additional cost. Yeah. Clyde City Expressway to you in the context of it, what else does it do for you? 
it provides um, to me the way I, I started thinking about this road was it's almost like an alternative to the M8. Yeah. In some ways, because of the way it ties in with the tunnel, and I actually used it for that con, you know, in in that yeah. regard at times, mm-hmm. but also it allowed for extensive kind of development along the Clyde front, you know, yes. with the the docks that were filled in. That's right. Well, the shipyards were closing. That's there was a right. lot of derelict and empty land. The you Clyde know. Port Authority was keen to see something done to try and rejuvenate it. Let's be honest. If it wasn't for the Clydeside Express, we, we very possibly wouldn't have the SEC complex there. No, or the, Glasgow you know, Harbour. The hydro and all these and all these things, things like that. that allowed for improved access and actually filled in some of the basins that, mm-hmm. that came as well. For the first three years of its existence, it actually acted as well as a bypass of Paisley Road in the south of the river because yeah. people coming in from the west on the M8 Renfrew bypass jumped onto the A8 through the tunnel along the Clydeside Expressway. That's right because and, and into the, the, the expressway actually opened in seventy three, three. April seventy three, and the Renfrew motorway didn't open until seventy six. Yeah, so it did. You're right. Yeah. It, it was it, it's it's such an underrated route yeah. do you know another thing i really like about it as well it looks so cool you know when you're driving on that that road at night and you're yeah. going past the secc and then that kind of ele- elevated section of yeah. over um finiston, finiston yeah. and then going through and you've got the feature lighting at hayburn and stuff and you've got junctions left right and center and stuff i i think it's i think it's a actually quite an iconic road it's it's a great road that and does its, its job quick. very well it is quick it's it only works. one problem with it and it lets it down and it is heading east when you when you join anderson cross yeah to be honest with anderson you. I, cross I'm, yeah it's the big issue isn't it i mean I, really yeah what do you think what, what do you think should be done <laughs> there? Asked well to be honest with you i think certain movements need to be restricted I there, agree. to be honest with I you agree. i think um i think turning right from a gale street onto the m8 should be stopped mm-hmm. i think traffic coming from the river coming straight through that junction should be stopped and yeah. priority should be given to eastbound Clyside Expressway traffic joining the motorway and entering the city. Yeah. So that would give priority to them. So all those queues we get in evening peak, you would you would mitigate that to an you extent. Would. Yeah. Let's face it, grade separating and building ramps in there, it's it is almost impossible. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. You know, I, I do love it how when you want to join the, the eastbound M eight through there, you've got to kind of squeeze through the columns. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and traffic go to get up that the does cause control. a lot of problems. You yeah, know, so I mean that, that's the thing. But but the the, the road does its job so it well. It does its job because very, very off well. peak Dumbarton Road mm-hmm. is actually really quiet. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine what Dumbarton Road? Well, we know what Dumbarton Road was like in 1960 and yeah. in 1970. Mm-hmm. So we can all imagine what Dumbarton Road would be like now. Yeah, if the Clydeside Expressway wasn't, wasn't there. there, and also the M8 in the south. Mm-hmm. As well, it'd probably have more on it if more the Clyde Side Expressway wasn't there. The other thing you've just made me think about, but I wish it went further. I wish it went to Clyde Bank. Well, in the Greater Glasgow study that came later, they were going to run it along the railway line, mm-hmm. uh, which I now Street. believe is still kind of continuing as the potential Yoker Relief Road. Yeah, but don't expect too much no. from this. I mean, this will be single carriageway. It's yeah. not going to be a great, great separated expressway. One of the things that would be really good about the Yoker Relief Road is it would get the tra- sort of through traffic coming from Clyde Bank and trying to get east. And let's be honest, it's not the fault of people in Clyde Bank that connections to the motorway system are so poor. Mm-hmm. You know, people still have to travel. Buses need to move. Goods need to move. Yeah. Dumbarton Road is inadequate for that. It's a local road. That mm-hmm. should be prioritised for cyclists and buses and that kind of thing. Yeah. If they built the Yoker Relief Road, you would get all that through traffic Absolutely. up out of the way. Fantastic. You know, Everyone wins. Yeah. You know, you know, gets it all out the road. And I think that's why Yoker Relief Road, in conjunction with that new bridge connecting Renfrew and Yoker, mm-hmm. uh, could actually bring real positive benefits to that that part Absolutely. of the city by getting things moving. Have you ever... You worked up in Knightswood I, for I, years. I worked in Knightswood, know, oh. so I had to come off the expressway yeah. uh, and ended up getting dumped at several sets of traffic lights and then forcing my way through. I think, yeah. I think a junction, it was a nasty junction, 
I think it's Scotston Cross. Yeah. And I had to go up that way, and it was horrendous yeah. in the mornings, it and there's bus awful. lanes and things like that on it. Yeah. So it's it's not it it's, wasn't great. It's not at all. good if you're just trying to move about to get to work as you were and things oh, like that. We, could, know, we so. could talk about expressway all day. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, Michael, that answers that question for you. If you want any follow ups, feel free to to stick them in. We'll be happy to answer yeah, them. Yeah, definitely. I always love talking about that. And hopefully, you'll come and see us at Bridgeton as well, or at the Doors Open Days events yeah. that are coming up. Good to see you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So. Um, there's another regular here. It's Jonathan Towers. Okay. With, uh, I think, a record number of questions. I reckon I'm going to try four sub-questions. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Jonathan asked first, uh, do you think that there are any parts of the network that could benefit from smart motorway technology, such as variable speed limits and hard shoulder running? I've answered this before, so I'm going to keep it brief. Okay. M8, no, because the hard shoulder is not continuous. It's discontinuous through the length. Yep. There's no benefit there. The M77, to an extent, could. However, it's affected by the bottleneck at the north end, which really could be doing with separate improvements or widening. Uh, M74, completion doesn't need it. Uh, mm-hmm. M80 steps bypass doesn't need it. Coming south, the problems are on the M8. Uh, M73, M74 basically don't need it. The only parts of the network, in my view, that could benefit from smart motorway now are, are on the M8 eastern sections between Newhouse and Edinburgh. Uh, yep. I don't see how any other bits would work. Maybe the M80, north mm-hmm. of the M73, between there and the M876, possibly as well, where there's capacity yep. issues. Uh, I would say they're about the only ones, in my opinion, that, yep. that would benefit. Yeah, exactly. Well, to be honest with you, I would prefer if we just converted some of the hard shoulder into running lanes on short sections, if... Yeah. If to provide some such an issue. additional I mean, weaving I, space and that kind of thing. M77. Yeah. Something oh. needs to be done God very badly about that road southbound. It's uh, horrific. Also, you know, uh, M8 westbound between 26 and 27 oh, yeah. could deal do, do with an extra lane. Coming on at Brayhead and dropping at... Sorry, coming on at Hillington, dropping at Arkelston. The needs economic to, effects of the congestion in that section at M8 must be immense. Yeah, it's, it's bad. And it's bad yeah. later on into the night as yeah, well. So yeah. we'll get on to Jonathan's uh, question, part two, uh, where he asked, do you think these would have worked well and elsewhere? Well, we've kind of, we've, we've one, kind yeah. of answered that, so that's fine. Um, we have only one area, what we would call a managed motor or smart motor. M- M90? The M90. It's very small, and I would say it's too difficult to gauge its successes given yeah. how small it is and yeah. that we've had the Queensferry crossing, so we'll move swiftly on from that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Traffic Scot... This is his next question. The Traffic Scotland tr- uh, Trist guys and uh, RPU officers are fantastic and do a great job, but how do they find out about the more minor incidents? Can I answer this and, one? And then he kind of, I think he follows on with that, doesn't he? And says, yeah. and how can how can members of the public report small incidents and defects as well uh, that don't that don't work? Nine 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 one one. You are the person to answer this question, John. Let's be honest. Well, because I've done that job. Exactly. Um, I worked in the control room uh, for for Tris yeah, and tell, this kind of thing. Tell, so, tell people the the contractual obligations of the operating companies were surrounding control rooms and that kind of thing. Yeah. So there are several ways. When you see the signs on the side of the road, there's telephone numbers on them. Yes. You can call these signs. You get put through to a call centre that then passes this information straight to the control room, and then in which case we can then send the Tris out. Now the Tris have a, a twenty minute response time to get to to any incidents within their area mm-hmm. um, with these things are further outside of these areas certain incidents of all units could be about an hour or something yeah, like that yeah. he's asking a question about betting you know getting in touch and doing these things social media is a very good way mm-hmm. um, but that telephone number that you see on the signs does get you through to somebody yeah, exactly. Phone, phone the control room of, if you're in Glasgow, it's Scotland Transev. If you're in the east, it'll be Amy. Yep. If you're in the north, it'll be Bear Scotland. That's right. You, know, you call that number and it will send it out and then it'll come through to somebody in the control room and they'll get on the phone or the radio to the Tris. Oh, there's a tyre lying in lane four. 
yeah. over on the M8 at you know Junction 16. And for defects and things like that, yeah. all of the operating companies have websites with defect report forms on them as well that you can submit. Absolutely. So that's always an option. Whatever you do, just don't send us your defect reports. No, we've had God that. We've had it. Morning oh. about these gullies outside my house. I'll speak to the council. Yeah, speak we, to had, whoever, we had so. complaints. I had once with a very cheeky email. Uh, come through on our, on our inbox complaining about the litter on the M80. So, yeah. <laughs> he just went, we know. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. So, um, no, but he's, he's good. The Trist do a fantastic job, you know, and, and Nick was on saying that too. He did, exactly. Yeah. Right then, so last uh, last question I've got on the page here, unless you've got bonus ones, it's from our friend Duncan McKnight. Oh, not again. <laughs> I was going to say, let's cheer for Duncan. Yay. Hello, Duncan. Hello. Um, <laughs> so, um, Duncan has uh, a couple of three questions here. Uh, first one says, given the dual carriageway proof A8, well, he's saying, I'll, I'll reword this right. So, given the dual carriageway proof A8 between Newbridge mm -hmm. and New House, yeah. was there ever a plan to upgrade this? and have a dual carriageway between Glasgow and Edinburgh before the M8 was built. Yes. A bit like the S74. Prior to 1963, um, <laughs> I believe the intention was, it may just be slightly earlier than 1963, prior to the early 1960s, let's say, the intention was that the existing A8 would be widened to dual carriageway from Newhouse mm -hmm. all the way through to New Bridge. Yep. And if you drive that route, which was the old A8, you'll see all these big wide bridges with bits on it that haven't been used, big empty verges. That's because that whole entire route was built during the 1920s and yeah. 1930s and they left space to allow it to be jeweled in future. Now, mm -hmm. ultimately, the only, I think only two sections of it were done. There's a bit around about Bathgate that's and there's right. a bit near Starlaw. Yeah, yeah right yeah. about there. And there's the section between Bailston and Newhouse that was done mm. in 1960, 61. That 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 was done as well. Everything else was then replaced by the M8, which came in the mid 60s. The only constraint 60s. along that entire corridor that I'm aware of was through Hart Hill. Yeah, because you hit the town centre. Big wide verges on the approach to the town centre. Then you hit it. And then there's just no space for a dual carriageway, but through Salisbury, through Whitmore, yeah. and all these other areas, there's very wide verges there where they could have squeezed it through. Good. So, so yeah. So ultimately, that there, there was that there was, was the original plans. plan, yeah. But it was it was done away with when they decided they wanted a brand new motorway. All right. Okay. Right. Uh, next question here: If the Mary Hill motorway was built, would it have caused traffic problems at Woodside? So this would be between kind of your junction 18, junction 15. Kind of depends because you know the, the Mary Hill motorway actually had much more chance of being built in the east flank mm -hmm. had the mary hill motorway been built and the south and east flanks not been then yes it would have done had the south and east flanks been built as well as the mary hill motorway possibly not as we mm. discussed earlier traffic um, would have been able to escape yeah somewhat. that said given today's traffic flows and what would have been coming in from the north of the city it's quite likely mm -hmm. that there might have been a bottleneck there even with the south and east flanks it's kind of difficult to say but i'd imagine yeah. yes in some cases definitely there would have been better. it's just another junction in there yeah is the way i've often yeah. seen it you know uh, it would have to be if you were building something like that very cleverly done yeah to to avoid that so yeah i i think i think actually it's a fair point to make yeah i think i think it would have caused some issues yeah. there, mm -hmm. you know because often that's what happens with junctions so the third one is <laughs> favorite roads or slash motorways outside of the glasgow area oh that's easy for me that's easy for me can you tell me what mine is yeah i know it is it's the m1 at luton well done <laughs> <laughs> it's like this it's not a purpose-built dual four but it's not it's, it's such a brilliant Kind of oh, love that widening that they've done wonderful. there and it just looks wonderful proper, proper modern widening of a motorway with it a hard shoulder works so well 
It's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful piece of road. It is amazing. I apologise if you're currently stuck in traffic on it, but yeah. uh, no, whenever Stuart's seen it, it's, it's all a right. wonderful section of road. Now I'm trying to think what yours is. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. Is it Scottish? Yes, it is. Of okay. course. And it's your favourite section outside Glasgow. It's not the M898. That's in Glasgow. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't care. No, you, you're going to have to like... tell me because I'm not. I'm really not sure. Actually. It's my baby, isn't it? It's not my... the fourth road bridge. No, no, no. It's it's it. it's um. It is the M90, and then some of the roads down there. I do like <sighs> them. I, I have. He's a... a sucker for tooling motorway, is John. That's character. We have to remember it was the first. <laughs> I'll always say that it was the first motorways we got in Scotland. Mm, so there we go. Some of us think that was the Hart Hill Bypass, but that's all right. That's yeah, all right. A whole year earlier, but no, I, I, I just do. I, I know it doesn't function very well at all. No, um, yeah, you tell to that be, to people stuck in it right now. You know, there's a lot of traffic there, but... Um, but I just have an affinity for that, so that's, that's, that's a good that's question. But I'll probably change my answer next time I'm asked that. Oh, yeah, we right. do get asked, don't we? Now, a couple of late questions came in on Facebook, but I'm going to run through very quickly. Go for it. Um, You'll have to read the, them. The first one was from Stuart McCree on Facebook, who was asking about the unfinished stubs at Cathedral Street on the M8. We've answered that. That was going to be east there flank of the yep of the inner <laughs> ring road. It was very busy yesterday. Very oh, it was horrendous. <laughs> Um, we needed that east flank yeah but we really did yesterday <laughs> um, so that yeah that was for that if you look at the website in a ring road um, articles you'll see all the details on there about that and there was another one coming from Neil Collinson um, who said that he found it strange that there were only two major roads that head to the north of Scotland the A82 and the A9 uh, so it's kind of north west Scotland I suppose do you think an M82 would have helped the economy of the north and the west of Scotland by its links with Glasgow no I don't to be honest because there's not really much industry there it's quite a bold thing to say. Is, I know you yeah. don't kind of. I don't. I know you don't rate the tourist stuff too much because you don't like Erskine Bridge. <laughs> but it is. But I think there's a there's there's massive potential for having a a, a, a an upgraded A eighty two of going further up. Not an M eighty two though. Not well, a block. Can you, you know, imagine you an can, M82 you could make it a bit like a side, not you for Glencoe and oh my god, no. I don't think it could have done any anything too bad to be honest i mean there's already quite a high quality road that's going through there yeah. so the road is already no there congestion. the fact that it would have blue signs on it doesn't make any any real difference it wouldn't have made any difference the traffic simply isn't high enough um i don't think for it to be a major issue the a9 is being dueled that's going to be the main yep. route to inverness i think they may the, as well call it m9 the, the way they're building it the a9 isn't being dueled because it's busy the a9 is being dueled because of its horrific safety record yes you know exactly. it, because people get stuck got political behind, thing that's political right. reasons yeah people get stuck behind slow moving trucks yeah. and tractors and things like that and it causes frustration which causes accidents and causes deaths yeah and, and ultimately that's it's not because reason. it's a a busy if you look no, at the AADT it's actually right. quite low this is this is that's so, a whole other debate the A9 yeah, debate it's kind of difficult to see that the existing roads have stifled the economic situation well, in the they, north they do need to know. do something with the A82 further up yeah you know the, the kind of target area the ta- and, and they are looking at that yeah they are looking at that significant right. civil engineering challenges yeah, with that sort of thing definitely considering yeah. it's hard up against the lock so, I hope that answers that one um, for, for you Neil to, to an extent well, thank you, because you've given us another topic for another podcast at some point in the future where we talk about other roads in Scotland. Yeah, well, John Collin would probably have called it the... the, the Country lanes. The, the Glencoe Motorway. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> something like that. So, no, listen, thanks for the questions again. We do appreciate them coming in. They are, we are getting more and more every month. We're soon going to have to start filtering them, I think, to suit, uh, to suit what, we're, what we're doing and times. So I think, John, at this point, it's worth talking about the upcoming features. Absolutely. Um, very important that this is the last podcast that will be released before the Doors Open Days 2019 programme. If you're not aware, we have been invited to take part in the programme 
programme in Glasgow this year. Sure. We are doing two talks entitled Glasgow Motorway City, one in the evening of Thursday the 19th of September at 6.30pm, another on the Saturday afternoon at 3pm. Both of these are in the Mitchell Library. Mm-hmm. Okay, tickets go on sale. They're not on sale because they're free. Tickets will be available from 10 a.m. on the mm-hmm. 1st of September. You'll get them through Eventbrite or you'll get them through the Doors Open Days website. We will also be providing links to the events through social media. We have also an exhibition coming up that's taking place at the Mitchell Library. It will be in the main foyer at the Granville Street entrance and it runs from Monday the 9th of September for four weeks. It's yep. free as well. You can go in there and browse it at any time that the library is open. There will also be some reports and things on show as well as our own exhibition boards. Uh, we are grateful to ACOM for their support in taking this forward and helping us. They've uh, been fantastic. Yeah, they have yeah. been. ACOM, the successor company to Scott Wilson, uh, Scott Wilson Kirkpatrick became Scott Wilson Scotland, was then acquired by URS in 2009. Mm-hmm. The combined entity was then ad, uh, acquired by ACOM, Acom. Uh, a few years back. So ACOM... So they live been, on through that. Yeah, and we must thank Michael McKean in particular for that and the assistance yeah. that he's given us. We really appreciate that support and to some of the retired engineers from there as well who, who have been have been very nice to us. Um, so yeah, please please do come and see us. Come and, come and see the talks. We're going to be telling you all about the history of the motorway system. We'll, we'll have plenty of new photos and things on show there. Uh, get your tickets. We'll see you there. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be back at Bridgeton Bus uh, Garage at the Glasgow Vintage Vehicle Trust for their open weekend, their annual open weekend. That takes par- uh, takes place on the 12th and 13th of October, a Saturday and Sunday. Great thing to do with the family or just on your own if you want to come yeah. and see over 150 old buses that have been restored. Some fantastic vehicles in there. Yeah, um, it's really, really good actually. And they've got all kinds of things on sale as well. Yeah, you can go to work. Yeah, it's we've great. been there a couple of times. We're hoping to, to have some folk. stuff uh, available to, to view and maybe purchase yourselves. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have more on that next month. Uh, I'm making an appearance on Glasgow Hospital Radio on Sunday the 1st of September. Uh, I am appearing on a live show. I'm doing an interview on the history of the Glasgow motorway system that was arranged the other day. So if, you, if you're unfortunate enough to be in hospital on the 1st of September, <laughs> oh, no. I hope you're not. Please tune in. You will hear me on the air. Uh, but to be honest, wow. it's probably nothing you won't have heard before on the podcast. Yeah. It's, it's going to be if fairly not, basic. Get yourself yeah. into hospital and yeah. listen to that. No uh, anaesthetic needed. Yeah. Finally, 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 we are pleased to announce that there will be a 2020 calendar. <gasps> We lost out on a calendar last year. We, we, did. we just we just couldn't produce one. We didn't you? have time. We, we really didn't have time. But we are bringing it back this year, and it will be a bit more um, the best one yet. Yeah. because I'm doing the images. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a challenge. Good one. That's a challenge. So, so no. yeah, please uh, watch out for that. We'll, we'll, there'll be more information on that. Now, just a final thing I'm going to say: we will be right. back in September, but it will be later in September with doors open days and of a number of other activities and, and and holidays and things that are planned. We're going to push back a week, so we will probably be out with the next edition probably in the final week of september yeah. i would imagine uh but you'll, you'll see it advertised before then so please don't think that we've disappeared and we'll probably get back to our normal kind of mid-month appearance from october yeah. me. all right okay well i think that's it thanks for joining us this month on the glasgow motor archive podcast make sure you visit our website you've heard it already but it's uh, www.glasgows-motorways.org.uk 
where you can listen to our previous podcast episodes and learn all about the Glasgow Motorway system. You can also subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or at Podbean to make sure you never miss a show. Uh, while you're at it, please be sure to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends and colleagues about us as well. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here or in any of the other episodes, be sure also to find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram for a daily fix of photographs, plans and other general information. Yeah, that's right. You'll see regular updates on those channels. In the meantime, that's all for now, but we'll be back in late September, as Stuart said, with episode 15, and we hope to see you there. Bye-bye. Thanks very much again. Goodbye. Bye.